at his school, he discovered a Braille sign. So he translated it. The Braille sign said that it was an accessible toilet. That's what it said. It was on the door to the library. Hi, I'm Terry Siakis, and welcome to Season 2 of Success, the podcast, presented by MYOB. Cities can be complex environments to navigate at the best of time. Stairs, subways, signage, streetworks. Can you imagine what it would be like to do that if you were vision impaired? Someone who could imagine that and then decided to do something about it is Dr. Anna Wright, founder and CEO of Banjo Maps. Banjo Maps is a navigation tool that empowers vision impaired people to safely and confidently move through public spaces. Anna's going to tell us how what could have been a personal crisis led her to spearheading an innovation that's opening up a whole new world of independence for vision impaired people. So Anna, you're the co-founder and CEO of a startup that uses technology to improve accessibility and independence for vision impaired people in public spaces. And we will tease that out a little bit more in a moment. But to start off with, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you did before you had that particular genius idea. (laughs) Right. So my background, I am actually a chartered accountant uh, and I've done a lot in business development predominantly. And then for the last few years, I've been lecturing at the University of Technology in Sydney in uh, business development and all of those sorts of things. So it's a bit of a jump to go from the uh, fairly conservative world of academics and accounting and across to the startup world. Um, But it's been quite a lot of fun. And how would you describe yourself as a person? Like if you had to say to someone who'd never met you in 25 words or less, this is Anna, what would (laughs) you say? This is Anna. I don't like doing the same things over and over again. So I like a lot of variety. I like a lot of fun. I'll go out of my way to find fun. Um, How did you go as a chartered accountant then? (laughs) (laughs) And I say that that as the daughter of an accountant. So I reckon I can ask that question. So um, (laughs) I never really fitted in, uh, which is why I ended up doing a lot of business development. I actually like getting into businesses, uh, looking at where they're at, helping them think about the future, how they're going to get there, um, and then using financials as just the language that we use to either assess performance or to think about where we're going to go to. So I, when I'm training my staff for what we do um, in that accounting practice, I say that it's more like being a financial psychologist okay. rather than an accountant. Yeah, so, so more of a means to an end rather than the end in and of itself. Is yeah, exactly. So we don't just do tax returns just to do tax returns. Yeah. Um, we don't do BAS just to do BAS. We, we do them, obviously, because you've got to lodge them at the various departments, but um, yeah. we do it to create or to have that information to then okay. help businesses make decisions about what they've done, what they're going to do differently, or what they're going to do the same. Okay, so that gives us a really good background of where you've come from. That that big leap from accounting to teaching and academia, how, how did you move from there mm-hmm. to becoming an entrepreneur? Well, when you're working as an academic, you 
are actually quite entrepreneurial. I always say that it's academics or a whole lot of people that work for themselves within an institution. So you're always doing your research, coming up with new ideas and things like that. So it is actually quite creative um, coming up with these research topics that we work with. But then to move from that into uh, entrepreneurial world was really partly luck and partly just opportunity and grabbing the She Starts opportunity when that came across my, my desk. I've always had the um, idea or the, the annoyance with Braille in public spaces. I've always looked at and thought, what on earth, how is a blind person supposed to find the Braille? So tell us why why has that been a frustration for you? Like why or a consideration for you? Why have you thought of those things? Well, I originally thought about it because I, I do have a vision impairment and at the time that I was diagnosed I was told that I would go completely blind. Um, and I've been very lucky with uh, my specialists and uh, all of the research that they've been able to do. So they were able to halt the condition for me, uh, which is very lucky. I'm very, very rare uh, for that to have happened. Um, but back when I was given my diagnosis, I was told that I'd go completely blind. And so I needed to start to prepare for that. Um, so we went through those difficult conversations on do you learn how to read Braille while mm. you're still sighted or do you learn how to read Braille when you've lost your vision? And my advice was once you've lost your vision, um, but it does make you, when you're walking around and trying to get to work and you're thinking, yeah. how on earth am I going to get from here to there? Then how am I going to work? What is my work going to look like? And it just makes you a little bit more aware of what that world is like. I just think everybody should do what school kids do these days and put a blindfold on and try and negotiate yeah. Town Hall Station. Well, that's, that's the thing, isn't it? Unless it's presented to you as a possibility for your own life or unless you encounter it in someone close to you, you often never think about it. And I, I mentioned to you in one of uh, our chats on the phone that my mum is vision impaired yeah. and, and in fact legally blind. And mm. what, what you say is so true. Like I walk through spaces now or I, you know, there's certain situations where I go, my God, how would mum do this? Like, this is so not accessible. Or this it's is so, so not horrible. But, but to be fair, you, you often, you have no reason to consider those things mm -hmm. if it's not brought to your consciousness in some way. Mm. Well, one of my favourites is the um, so-called accessible bathrooms um, that you see around the place that are for wheelchair accessibility. Um, but if you look at them, the the thing that tells you whether the bathroom is, is free or engaged, it's a green and red light. Yeah. And so they're going, well, um, that's really, uh -oh. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's not, it, it's not accessible. Let's just take away the word accessible, yeah. say it's wheelchair friendly, um, but it's not what I would call accessible because, yeah. Yeah. How? It's yeah. just so dumb. So you mentioned your startup. You mentioned yeah. Banjo Maps. We know now who you are, where you came from, what your mm -hmm. background is. Tell us about your startup. Tell us about Banjo Maps. Okay, so Banjo Maps, what we are solving is uh, to create an app, so for a smartphone, uh, that works as a navigation app on the inside of buildings. So we've got Google Maps that's on the outside. 
uh, which uses satellite and GPS. So that was one of the things we needed to solve is first how you're going to locate that phone within a space. And then we've also got a lot of work that we've been doing in uh, translating language or thinking about the best way to give somebody information on how to negotiate spaces. So is it something that could be extrapolated out to apply to uh, you know, cities as a whole eventually? Like, is that like a long-term... That's a plan, yeah, yes. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, eventually, we're always going to have people with vision impairment at the centre and the main focus of, of what we're doing. Um, but absolutely, we're, we're thinking about public in general, but just so yeah. you can have that seamless experience of sure. being outside a building or going from the train station to the university campus and then going the whole way to your classroom via the coffee shop. Gotcha. So was it purely your diagnosis and your situation that prompted you to create this or was there something else at play there? Well, it was the beginning of the idea was when I, I was there. But, it, you know, it's, it's been a long time. And my friends will tell you I've been complaining about Braille in public spaces for a very long time. <laughs> so they're quite happy that I'm actually doing something about it. Um, but, it, yeah, it was for a long time technology just wasn't. That we, what we, We've only had smartphones for the last 10 years. So it was more just, with my business development, I had a couple of of, um, clients that I was working with that are in the tech space and they were the, it was their devs that I was always saying, so what can we do, what's coming? And then it was just, oh, look, you should have a look at these beacons. They're not very good at the moment. And then the next year they get a bit better and like all things technology, um, the tech keeps getting better and better until um, we could use it for, for what we've got. And then, and this is where a little bit of serendipity or luck came in, um, as another friend who's heard me complain about Braille, um, showed me the She Starts program, which was very much, you don't need to be a tech founder, I'm not a tech founder, um, but they would give seed funding and would give uh, help and they have their own developers and product managers and all of those things so that we could get a, um, a minimal viable product or a pilot there um, to prove that we can do it uh, and then to get to like we've got a partnership with guide dogs things like that so that we've then um, we've almost finished our um, pre uh, seed round of a million dollars I've got about a hundred thousand dollars left to place of that um, which is going to let us just take off and and get this where we want it to to be and then take over the world <laughs> I like it. It's just it's just like the throwaway last line, yeah, and just... then we take over the world. <laughs> well, that's the plan. But <laughs> going back to what you said about you know, how did you actually start? Once you had your idea and your firm, okay, this is what the problem is. This is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. What did you do next? What were your first steps? Oh, very. I've got to try and remember. Active. <laughs> my very first. Step. Well, I think the very first like practical step was to write that application. Okay. To Blue Chili, um, and then as part of their process was very helpful because it was things like do, going out there and doing a whole lot of customer interviews. So, uh, and by customers, but, but mine was really split up between people with vision impairment through to building owners. Um, that need to have uh, things in place t- to help people with accessibility. So it was a whole series of interviews to really get to the heart of the biggest problems. Um, so, so was it research? The... Like, was it were yeah, you, were you research. researching in that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Lots of interviews. Um, 
I was very lucky that a few um, students at UTS um, got what I was trying to achieve and came along and helped me as well. So they did some of the, the interviews and, and the research. That's so great. That, that's like having a little team without some, having a team. Yeah, I've still got a little team. It's, oh, that's great. Yeah, so um, it, it's actually something for people that are, are doing businesses and especially in um, these sort of spaces where you are actually helping. Um, there are students at university that are, are, are willing and able to do internships. So is this so, an untapped resource for startup founders? Don't tell everybody. <laughs> My secret. No, but I guess, I guess it would depend on what the project is, whether it's conducive to having it. Well, know, yes. Look, I, having an intern from university isn't just that you get get a whole lot of work for free. Yeah, you do it's have not to. having minions. It's no, not having... no, it's not like having little mini-me's running around. But, um, but it certainly is a resource that, sure. that people should be be aware of, or even larger businesses should be aware of. Yeah. And yeah, that's there fair. are very, very smart people at university, and it's fun to have some interns on board. Yeah. But you do still have to manage them. Of course, it. of mm. course. Um, in the beginning, in these very early stages, we'll, we'll get to what happened with She Starts in a moment, but in, mm -hmm. in those very, very early stages, the infancy of what would go on to become Banjo Maps, mm -hmm. what did you think at that stage success would look like? <laughs> um, well, at that stage, so we had a couple of disasters where, so as I said earlier, we knew that we could use beacons, we use Wi-Fi, there's a whole lot of little bits and pieces. But there's a reason why we don't have this yet, because that technology is very new, um, it's clunky, it took a lot of work. So um, very early on, I was actually just hoping that it was going to actually work, um, <laughs> that I had somebody from Guide Dogs who is blind and she almost fell down the stairs. Um, there was all sorts of like little <laughs> so, hiccups where so I was no going. no one in traction? Was that what success oh, would look like? just knowing that, that, <laughs> that, you know, I had this, this great big idea and we thought it possibly could work, but yeah. to actually get it to work, that yeah. the day that it actually worked was a pretty jolly good day. But that's, you know, when you are doing something that's completely new, you don't know whether it's going to work or of not. Of course. That's the gamble, I'm, isn't it? That is the gamble. Or it's the um, part of the R&D, or you put it out there and say, look, we've tried it, it doesn't work. So don't anyone else spend money on trying to do this yet wait <laughs> yeah. until the technology's caught up a little bit but, yeah so where do you feel like success actually started for you was it was it the first day that it worked or was it where did it start for you I think it actually started earlier than that so success started when I would talk to people about the problem and they go oh yeah actually you're right how does a blind person know that there's braille there yeah. so that for me was already success because it was starting to get traction yeah. um, that people could see um, that that this was valuable and yeah. then um, then I had my first meeting with guide dogs which was quite scary because you're coming in as a as a sighted person saying do you want this like or is this just me being yeah. quite naive that not being blind and not knowing, so because I was there going, well, is, is there a magic way that people with vision impairment find the braille? That I just again, because we yeah. walk around quite obliviously because right. we can see. Um, so that sort of first meeting with guide dogs was a little bit 
scary, but then success was, then they were going, yes, we would like this and we would like this and this and this. And we're like, well, we can do that. So let's, let's work together yeah. and make sure that the solution that we are giving you is actually a solution that you want. Sure. So then that was the sort of the next bit of that success. And then, um, yeah, getting the thing to actually work and then actually being able to navigate somebody or get them from point A to point B. And I can actually remember the first time we had somebody um, with her guide dog that uh, has been blind since birth and we could get her just with the phone and, and, and the dog from the front of one of the UTS buildings all the way up and around and downstairs and to the cafe that we were going to. And it was like, my goodness, it actually it works. worked. <laughs> It actually worked. She only needed her dog and the phone. It actually worked. And that was amazing because you like, wow. And then since then, um, with that pilot, uh, we got money from the New South Wales government. Um, So that was another little bit of success when somebody goes, yep, that's that's well worth investing money in. And then also starting to do the cap raise, um, which in Australian... It's, it's quite a large cap raise that we're doing, but to have investors come on board because then they're, they're putting their money where their mouths are. They're going, right. this is a good idea, have some money. Yep. And that, again, is such wonderful validation um, that, again, more people are, are seeing the, the potential for this and, and why we need it and hmm. um, are funding it. this accelerator, uh, tech accelerator program that you were part of. Can you take us through a little bit of the nuts and bolts of how being part of an accelerator program like that helped you in the experience of getting Banjo Maps off the ground? So I think for me, and I think everybody's experience is different um, because everybody comes in with a different set of skills. So um, for me in particular, I didn't even know how to talk to developers. I, I talked to business people and the finance team, and then they have they talk to product managers, and then they go and talk to developers. So if I had, even if somebody had given me money and said go and do this, I wouldn't have even had the first idea of how to talk to a developer. Um, but at Blue Chili, they've they've created these teams, they've interviewed the people, they've got those people there on the ground that then you can tap into and say, look, this is this is what we want to do. And then they tell you the next steps and you come back with your research and, and we just build from there. So yeah. um, the She Starts program, yes, it was an accelerator with a lot of content and information. Um, so that was great. Um, but for me, the single biggest thing was having access to skilled staff and then yeah. given the tools of how to talk to these people. So in a way, did it bridge that really big, I'm assuming, tech divide? Oh yeah. Oh look, it's quite funny. I, I talk to people now. Um, I had to ask all sorts of stupid questions, but <laughs> you know, you ask them. Um, but I, I didn't speak the language. I yeah. didn't know what UX was. That was actually Jonathan from MYV taught me what UX was. Um, it's, you know, APIs, all of these yeah. these things that was a completely new world for me. Anna, starting your own business is, mm-hmm. is never easy. What mm-hmm. were some of the toughest moments for you and how did you get through those moments? Okay, so I think probably for me the toughest moments was, was when the tech wasn't working. 
uh, and look, but you have lots and lots of tough moments. You have those people. So when the tech wasn't working, that was awful because I was thinking, okay, well, there you go, no business. Um, but then you've also got those experiences where people go, yeah, no, no, I don't think that's a good idea. Or you go and talk to investors and they've got 101 reasons why they don't want to invest. <laughs> how um, helpful. Thank yeah, you for that. Helpful. Thank you for your conversation. Oh, I, I had a cab, no, Uber <laughs> driver the other day. Um, that was telling me how to build it, and I'm thinking, <laughs> thank you. Thanks, mate. That's a, like, moving right five along. stars. You're um, rating five stars. It, so you you always have those moments, and I think, especially in startup world, for me in startup world, um, because I was a solo founder, uh, and and again, credit to Blue Chili, they put that team around me, so I did have people. So sure. if you if if I did need to go and have a glass of champagne or a cry or <laughs> or whatever, um, there was always someone I could find. Yeah. But if you're starting up business, and I think that would be the same of all small business. Yes. It can be really lonely, and yeah. you don't have someone to bounce ideas off. And it's it's actually been one of the big blessings of doing this cap raise and um, you know that this investment is all to buy staff and when I had that first staff member come on and finally I've got someone <laughs> to bounce ideas off yeah. um, it makes such a big difference to know that you've got somebody else that's gone yes Banjo Maps is awesome yes I'm going to work full-time for them I'm going to throw my you know all of my working yeah. time at this and, and and then suddenly you've got your buddy going yeah. it, it's there and then your team gets bigger and bigger and there's and it becomes not just you anymore I feel the same with my investors hmm. that it's not just my idea um, it's now becoming its own thing yeah and which is great because it should be its own thing it shouldn't be me it yeah. should be just it absolutely on on a personal level Anna, what sort of sacrifices have you had to make? Are there, there things that stand out to you that you can say these have, these have been the trade-offs? Well, definitely. I mean, I missed um, my daughter's sport. Uh, my, my daughter's a very good athlete. And I've, I missed when I was last week in America, missed the very first carnival that I've ever missed in her athletics career. Yeah. Um, so there's always little things like that. Yeah. that you're having to, to weigh up between or do I stay in Australia to do that or do I go overseas because there's this conference and there's these investors and there's other people that I want to meet with. So, yeah, yeah there's, a, there's a lot of trade-offs that happen. What makes the really difficult times worthwhile for you? The really difficult times, what makes it worth, there's a few things that make it um, really worthwhile for me. Um, first and foremost is when I get to see somebody with vision impairment actually being able to get through a building on their own. Um, that's amazing to watch. But then um, there's also things like my, um, my little boy went to code camp. He wanted to learn how to code because he could see that that's something that um, is happening with me at work. And that's so um, cool. That's I know great. it's really cool. And the other thing that he did that was so funny um, at his school, he discovered a braille sign. So he translated it. And the problem with this braille sign is, and it's what it, you know, he's seven, and he's pointing this out to the headmistress. Um, <laughs> the braille sign said that it was an accessible toilet. That's what it said, accessible toilet. It was on the door to the library. 
at his school, which has no toilet inside oh, it. So God. he's there yeah, going yeah. straight to the headmistress going, um, by the way, we've got it on my kids. But, Brilliant. But for me to see that he's thinking about things and he's thinking about this world that's um, slightly bigger yeah. than... That's um, a big picture thing, isn't it? It's a big picture thing. And he, yeah. he, he, more, he finds, because he thinks of Braille as being a code, so he's learned the letters, yeah. which is great. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there's, there's a few things that make it yeah. worthwhile. What's, what's the best advice that you've been given over the course of this journey with Banjo Maps? Oh, gosh, the best advice. Okay, the best advice I think that I've been given over the course of this journey um, is in how it's to just brush off the nose. It, it's just don't take it personally. Hmm. Just okay, it's not a good fit. It's it's nothing wrong with the person that said no. It's just not the right fit. So just keep going because you will come across. It might be the fifth, sixth, tenth person. I mean, I've been told some funny things. I, I was told that it was a sweet little idea. That's probably my favourite. Oh wow! Yes, that's and I'm not patronising like, at all, is it? Mm, no, and you're not like a twenty-three-year-old male that's telling me these <laughs> things. But yes, I'm going to take my sweet little idea. And yep. move right along. If there's a potential startup founder or a small business owner listening, what would be the words of wisdom that you would impart from your experience? I'd say my first word is just jump in, just which is also the same as just don't listen to the nose. Like if you think you've got a good idea, um, just jump in, give it a go, give it a try. Um, if you have everybody say no to you for like six months, then maybe it's not a good idea. <laughs> maybe um, examine the nose a little more closely. Yeah, exactly. So when we say ignore the nose, um, <laughs> it's don't be delusional. Um, but yeah, jump in. I, I come across people that have got so many good ideas and the difference between them doing them and not doing them is really just they haven't decided to just do it. Yeah, right. Uh, and then I even hear people go, oh, I had that idea six months ago or I had that idea three years ago. It's like, well, <laughs> and? Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't complain that someone else has stolen your idea when you didn't do anything. Yeah, about just it. having it and clutching it close to you doesn't yes, going, make it. Oh, it would be just so good if we, if we, if yeah. we invented this app or it would be so good to do this. So just, yeah. just jump in. Is... There anything that you know now that you wish you'd known when you were starting out? I think I've gotten a lot braver. Yeah. Like over the last 18 months, I've gotten a lot braver at just going up to people and just saying, look, this is what I'm doing. Like if it's a potential investor, um, so many people go into investor meetings and just sort of lay everything out, but then don't ask the question. Yeah. Well, I think I'm now to the point of, like, do you want to invest? Yeah. Like, yes or no? It, like, it's, it's say no, it's fine. But, but a quick no is better than a long, yeah. drawn-out maybe that well, might turn a, into a yes. It's quite a that's, consistent thing. I've heard a few people now say, just ask. You just like ask. You, don't, you don't get the answer if you don't ask the question. So no. just just ask. Just ask because you, you never know. And that whole thing of, uh, I don't know whether it, it, if it's a female thing, but, you know, the whole thing sitting there waiting to be asked to dance. <laughs> no. <laughs> get out there. Just grab get it, out there. Grab the a proverbial and, and go. And if he says no or she says no, then move on to the next one. <laughs> I love it.
I love it. When you think about banjo maps and what you're doing with it, is there a point at which you can see yourself putting a big fat tick next to it and going, yep, done. Anna, out. We're done here. Will that time ever come? Will it be something that's ongoing? Where, where do you see yourself as being done with banjo maps? Oh, I see it being done when it's when everybody can walk inside, outside, um, when we see a whole lot more people with vision impairment out and about. And um, how about we say this, that every sighted individual knows how to shake hands with somebody with, with a vision impairment. Yeah, right. That's when I'll be done, is when we just have this general acceptance that this this is how you treat a guide dog. This is how you ask somebody if they want help. This is how you even recognise if they want help. Yeah. Um, so it's when we we have better accessibility for all of all of Australians and then everybody worldwide. Okay. And the big question, Anna: mm -hmm. Are you successful? Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. I love it. Yeah. Success the Podcast was brought to you by MYOB. If you enjoyed it, please like, comment and share. It's how we get to make more of them. <laughs>